0: Well, at this time, I would like to invite our Pastor Joe, Pastor Jerry, as they continue part three of our end time series. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here we go. You got all your questions ready for tonight? Amen. And again, don't wait till the last minute to ask the question. Again, last week, had three people come up and ambush us in the lobby. I uh, had, a, had a question, but I didn't want to ask it in there. So please, ask your questions um, so that other people can hear them. It's not so much that we don't want to answer them. It's that, that other people can hear your questions, and it might stir a thought in them. So, Pastor Jerry, here we are. Again. Again. You got a bunch of good stuff for us tonight, right? Yes, we've got. All right, let's run. Let's stuff. jump into it.
1: Great stuff. Um, harpazo. What's harpazo? Everybody but a pastor. What's harpazo? We're going up. To be caught up. We're going up. It's the rapture. We don't need the word rapture. We now have the original word, harpazo. Um, turn, if you will, in your uh, Bibles, or you have the uh, handouts. Who brought their handout
0: from last week? Who doesn't have one? Okay. okay. Keep your, your hands, hands up, up please. If you one, don't have one please. You one, please keep your hand up.
1: One more right here. All right. Look at 1 First Thessalonians 4.17. We're going to look at the B end of that uh, scripture. We're going to just keep right on moving through. Our pazo caught up. We will meet the Lord in the air. The uh, scripture says, the B end of, the, of uh, First Thessalonians 4.17. That word there is appendicin. That is a great, great word. It describes this. Going to a meeting or arriving at a meeting. Getting to a reception or to meet in an encounter. So the scripture there is telling us, is confirming for us what is happening with the harpazo. We're going to a meeting. We're going to meet him, the translation would be. Meet him in the air. It's a technical word you used to describe Are you ready for this? Yeah. A newly arrived official or a member of royalty. Turn to someone and say, That's who I am. <laughs> now say, not by my my merit. Sure. Then also it says we're gonna meet him in the air. That's the Greek word there, or area. And that is now you, you realize that there were three air, three heavens. That's area, it's used to describe the lower regions of the heavenlies. And it's the air that we breathe, it's this lower air that we exist in. The Lord will descend into the lower heavenlies and snatch us, the church, from every danger, from our daily life and catapult caught us into the air. Are you with me? Yes. The coming judgments, the coming wrath of God, they're not ours, and we're going to look at that in a little bit more in depth uh, in a few minutes. Um, ah, First Thessalonians 4.18, the word there says to comfort one another. That's paracleic. Now, we, we've seen that word or a form of that word before. Where have we seen it? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. What's that word? Paracletos. Paraklitas. Exactly. Comfort one another. Exhort one another. Comfort. Encourage. Console. Are you getting a, a picture here that this is not something we're supposed to be tiptoeing around about in secret? We're, we're to be open about this. We're to be proclaiming this because this is, this is who we are. This is nature. And I'm not trying to, believe me, I'm not trying to give you a prideful outlook about yourself. It's looking at who we are in the reality, under the reality of the word of God.
0: Amen. Are you with me? Um, Paraclete. Can, can we just remind Yes, something? Sir. If we could um, go back to the first night we started this, I think we should remind ourselves of the fact that uh, we brought out the fact that first Thessalonians um, were told is the very first letter that was written to the church yeah. before any of the others. And yet, the Apostle Paul spent most of the time talking about the second coming. It's... I think it's significant for us to remind ourselves the Holy Spirit prompted the Apostle Paul to, write these, to begin to write letters to the churches and the very first topic that was covered, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the main message of the early church and yet here it is now, 2,000 years later, we're having to dig it up again, blow off the dust and represent it Represented to the to the present-day church. Now understand the persecution that took place in the early church was directly tied to their message, and their message was twofold. Number one, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Number two, He's coming back. Amen. And here we are, two thousand years later, and that needs to be the message again. That's what's gonna bring hope, that's what's gonna bring comfort. Comfort each other with these words. If there's ever been a time when we need comfort in our world, in our society, it's now. People are fearful, people are full of anxiety, and uh, this is the comfort that he's coming back, amen? Let's remind ourselves of the importance of this because unfortunately, this message that was so important to the early church has gotten buried over the years. This Christian topic, that Christian topic, all these other things, and principles of this, and principles of how to prosper, and principles of how to operate in faith, and those things are all important, very important. They're extremely important. However, the main message of the early church was Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and he's coming back. That literally, now understand this, and I'm gonna be done quick, so I want you to jump in, because we gotta get through this stuff here. Understand that it seems to us like this is a new Christian doctrine, that this doctrine, this teaching, this whole thing showed up when the church started. Paul is a Jew. Peter is a Jew. John is a Jew. James is a Jew. This is the fulfillment of Judaism. This is not a new teaching that showed up when the Christian Church showed up on the scene. Understand this: the Messiah returning to Earth to set up His kingdom in Jerusalem is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Are you are you getting this? Okay. Do not forget the significance of this message. Amen. Amen. Bless you again. Next one, you get a free glass with the New Beginnings logo on
1: <laughs> All right. Um, paraclete, exhort, comfort, and courage. OK. Um, skip back right, real quick to First Thessalonians four seventeen, And so we shall always be with the Lord. I want to hone in on that. That always there is not an always that we We use always, and it's arbitrary. The Greek word here is perpetually. It's not going to end. It's not arbitrary. Are you with me? The rapture is a reality, and the rapture is our reality. Even though it is in our future, it's already in our present. In the spiritual realm, it's a reality. First Thess- uh, Thessalonians. Let's go to First Thessalonians uh, five one. Brethren, not just yeah. That's interesting. I, if you're in the Bible school, I make this point over and over again. Um, First Thessalonians five one starts out with brethren. Have you heard like I have heard? Oh, the Christian church is all about. It was the Bible was written by men. The Christian church talks about men. It's always all about men. Well, when the Greeks write a word that's translated and we get it into the English brethren, that's not just males. That in meaning there is those of the same womb. So when the translators wrote brethren, they're saying actually those of the same womb or those who are born again. There is no distinction between men and women. We are all born again, amen? Amen. 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 So we start 5-1 with brethren. The day of the Lord, let's look at that. Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Let me tell you something, a thief only comes for things that are valuable. You've got value. The day of the Lord. That's the Greek word, emera kuribu. And let's just roost there for a second, because a lot of people aren't really sure what is meant when they hear the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a term used in the New Testament that describes a period of time, not a day. It begins with the catching away, or the harpazo of the church. And just as a day begins in darkness, the day of the Lord begins in the darkness of a seven year wrath of God. And just as a day then turns to light, the day of the Lord extends through the thousand year reign of Christ, and it then extends into a blessing of a hope which is in the new heavens
0: and the new earth. Can we clarify something before sure, we um you You made a statement here that just as a new day starts in darkness, we're not used to that concept.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Jewish concept, Jewish mindset, the day starts at sundown the next day. Uh-huh. You, you, you get that? Yeah. Okay, even in creation, it's the evening and the morning was the first day. Right. Are you getting that? Yes. The evening and the morning is the first day. So literally, uh, God established it in such a way where our New day starts with darkness and ends up into light.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that that's amazing how that, that ties in.
1: It ties exactly, ties
0: exactly into. into the day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord can't come until this time of darkness.
1: Do you have that? It's important.
0: Wow. Let's do we, do you get that? Yes. Questions. Okay.
1: This might be a good time to grab any questions.
0: Any questions so far? Okay, we're good?
1: Either we're good teachers or <laughs> over here I see somebody.
0: Now we got now we got one over here and we got one over there. Okay.
1: I, I just had a sense we wanted to roost here for a minute. I guess
0: I just wanted to know. Like what what's the significance of how you're describing eve, that the day, how the day is. Like Could, um can yeah. I draw this in? Sure, go. All right. Everything in Judaism points to the day of the Lord. The day of redemption, the day of when the Messiah comes to rule and reign on the earth. Everything is looking forward to that day. But the day can't come unless this darkness comes first. So the darkness is talking about the seven year tribulation period where all hell's gonna break loose on the earth. Okay, it's a time of darkness. The time of darkness is gonna give birth to the time of light, the day of the Lord okay you're getting this so god doesn't just throw a concept in it remember we always talk about this everything starts in the book of genesis every truth when you present something as a truth in the word it has got to have its basis in the book of genesis the book of beginnings and in chapter one god establishes this principle the evening and the morning is the first day and on the jewish calendar the day starts The new day starts at the sundown the night before. Well, we would say the night before. So you're starting the day out. Not only are you starting out in darkness, but think of it this way. You're starting the day out in rest. Most of us, unless you work in a night shift, most of us sleep at night. We get our rest first, and then we go into the day when there's work and when there's decisions to be made and things to happen. So you see it? Okay.
1: Jay, do you have that first uh graph i think that really let's throw that up to kind of remind ourselves a day to the lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day it was a dark graph. there there it is that may help you you see we're entering we're right on the cusp of entering in that final day that final thousand years of jesus's reign
0: But before that 1,000 years, there's a seven year period that has to get fulfilled, and that's the tribulation period.
1: Right in that line. Good? Good question. Just a tricky question. So the nighttime for the part of the world is, the other half is daytime. So it couldn't be at the same time because, Part of the world is still dark as the other part is still
0: day. Right, but still 24-hour period starts with a darkness no matter where you are on earth. If somebody on earth is going into darkness, mm-hmm. another person's coming into light, but it's still their day starts in the Jewish mindset, right? in an the ancient, ancient mindset, biblical mindset. Is that what you were asking? I'm not sure that I answered the right question.
1: It's, it's don't overthink it. It's, it's a term to describe a, a theological point. I
0: think, I think this would help. Go. The Bible is a Jerusalem-centric book. Well,
1: there you
0: go. Ancient maps, up until just a few hundred years ago, ancient maps, Jerusalem was the center of the world. You can go Google this and look up ancient maps. Jerusalem is always posted as the center of the world and everything else is around it. This book is Jerusalem-centered. It's, Middle East. it's a Middle Eastern Jewish book, okay? So you have to, in order to understand it and grasp the truths and the principles, you've gotta look at it through Jewish eyes. You gotta look at it through Jewish mindset. That's why it's dangerous when people say, well, the Old Testament's done with, we don't need to study the Old Testament. Oh, you won't understand anything about the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament.
1: Pastor Joe, where are we on this map over here? We Are we in the, we're in the latter days? We're, like,
0: are we in the Right bubble? at the end of the latter days and just before the blue part on the end of Sabbath. It's called Sabbath there, but that's the thousand-year millennium, millennium reign of Christ, which is a time of peace. Okay,
1: thank
0: you. But let me explain this, okay? And you've got to go back to the book of Daniel. Maybe in the future we'll talk about it. But in the book of Daniel, it talks about how God assigned 70 years to the nation of Israel. 69 of those pr- prophetic years have been fulfilled. There's, there's one, well, yeah, there's a seven year, there's one week left. And one week is made up of seven days. Seven days represents seven years. So there's a seven year period that's gotta get fulfilled before we can enter into that Sabbath time. Before we can enter into the day of the Lord, okay? So prophetically speaking, on God's timeline, 69 years have been fulfilled in his promise to the nation of Israel, okay? Now, you say, well, it's a lot longer than 69. No, there's 69 years in specific dispensations that were fulfilled, okay? There's one week left, one seven-year period left that must be fulfilled. That is the seven-year tribulation period. It's called Jacob's Trouble, In in the book of Daniel, I believe it's referred to as Jacob's Trouble. Okay, please.
1: In Daniel, the, descri- the, the description of the years is called septas. Septas. The septas are recognized as weeks of days. Sixty-nine of those weeks of days have expired. Now, remember, this is for Jews. The day that those that sixty-nine weeks expired <laughs> was the rejection of the Messiah to the day. Now, that's a whole separate teaching. But Daniel says there were 70 weeks of days. So there's a week of days, or seven years, years. that has not been fulfilled in that prophecy. The church comes between week 69 and week 70. That's the mystery of the church. The mystery of the church. But, remember I said the 70 is a prophecy for who? The Jews. Jews. Not for us. Why? The church is not here. It's another example of a rapture.
0: God's got to go back and fulfill that last week of years to the Jewish nation. That's why the church will not be here. I don't care what anybody says. The church will not be here during the tribulation. It's not about us we have to get out of the way so that God's attention can go back to the Jewish people. You, you understand what's happening?
1: Is that one the 144,000 uh, evangelists, Jewish evangelists coming out? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because remember, the Jewish nation was the one supposed to spread the gospel. Okay? And so that last week that Jesus is on the earth before the before you... Was crucified. The crucifixion itself—it's like God went, okay, pause, boom. You remember that that even the disciples said to Jesus on the Mount of Olives, "Are you now going to establish the kingdom?" And He said, "It's not for you to know the days or the time. It's not for you to know this time. Why? There was a mystery that had to come into play—the church. And thank God, because if if God didn't pause." The entire Gentile world would be lost. Okay, you got that. Yeah. So everything went on pause two thousand years ago. The Gentiles had to come into this. You can read Romans chapter eleven. Paul talks a lot about this. Romans is a great. How we got grafted into the to the olive tree. We got grafted into the vine. Okay, um, thank God. But you know, you see prophecies in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah, where it talks about how Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles, okay? That there would be, and they just didn't understand how it was gonna happen. And uh, again, it was even more puzzling because the early church was entirely made up of Jews, except for Cornelius, who's the first one to get saved. He's not a a Jew, he's a Gentile. He was an Italian, actually, uh, a Roman centurion. And that's why it was so incredible to them. They're like, everybody's questioning Peter. Like, what did you go to this guy's house for? He's a Gentile. We're not supposed to have anything to do with them. But God had to give Peter that spectacular vision. You remember? On the the rooftop, when God says to him, don't call anything that I've called clean, don't call it unclean. That was major revelation to them. That was as much revelation to the Jewish people that the Gentiles were going to come in than when you and I talk about the rapture. How is that possible? It's never happened before. It was so unknown to them that God would pour out on the Gentiles the truth of of who he is and reveal himself, and that the Messiah would come also to pay for the sins of the entire world. Understand how earth-shattering that was for them to wrap their head around it. So the early church, for the first at least 40 years, is 99.9% Jewish, okay? Little by little then, things started to change And then it became more Gentile, or or non-Jewish, I should say. I don't like to even use that word, Gentile. Because Gentile in the ancient world meant somebody without God. We are not somebody without God. We're just not Jewish. Okay? So all this has to take place to fulfill what God promised to Abraham. Remember that. This is all about God's covenant. Amen? Amen. All right, I'll be quiet. Go ahead. Go. So, So... Um,
1: 1 Thessalonians 5.3 while they're saying peace and safety then destruction notice there it doesn't say us now I'm not going to dwell on this but as we go forward over the next three or four verses notice the prota- the pronouns So, in, but in this one it's they not us we escape the Greek there is ekofugosin and it means that they will escape we will escape you, brethren, in First Thessalonians 5, 4, 5, but you, brethren, now that's us, are not in darkness. That day would not overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. The light there is the Greek, adolphe skatoi. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness. Adolphe. Don't slip. You won't slip. Keep your eyes open. Keep watch. Going on to verse four, watch this. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake take you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and darkness. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and be sober. Are you seeing the pronouns? This is for us, the encouragement, the constant encouragement, the building up to know who we are, according to what, according to God's view, and not according to the natural view or the world's view. Of all the religions, let me throw this in: of all the religions that have ever been formed on the face of the earth, Christianity is the only religion that teaches the rapture. No other religion on the face of the earth teaches the rapture. They, they talk about bad times coming, they'll talk about catastrophic events, but in each one they have to go through those catastrophic events. Christianity is the one that says no. Why? Because, and we're gonna see in a few minutes, we can't go through the wrath. Now, I don't wanna spoil the ending for you, so let's go on. Next on your paper is 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the principle set down right there. Can you, the talk, can you, talk, can you
0: talk about wrath a little bit? Talk about um, what that wrath is, who, where it's coming from, who it's coming from, who it's meant well, for.
1: Well, one of the things, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this to you right now. We know that Jesus went to the cross with the most horrendous death that we have ever, that, that has ever been recorded to man. The fact, just based on his time at the whipping post, it's a miracle that he made it to the cross. Yes, yes. On the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why? Why does he cry out? Why does he know in his innermost man that the Father has turned his back on him? Because he had taken all sin upon himself, and God's full wrath, there's the word, had been poured out on him. Listen to me. Are we or are we not the body of Christ? Then God cannot pour out his wrath a second time on the body of Christ. That's why you can't be here.
0: So theoretically, theoretically John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever
1: God
0: believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then theoretically, if every person on earth accepted Jesus Christ, there would be no wrath being poured out there would be no seven years there would be no there would be nothing for God to pour his wrath on because he already poured it on Jesus the wrath gets poured on those who refuse to acknowledge Jesus taking our punishment God's wrath against sin and against all ungodliness Jesus took it for us
1: if we're here for the wrath then the father makes a mockery of the cross And you you know he will never
0: do that. But that reinforces the idea that we, the church, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot be here.
1: Cannot.
0: Because whatever portion of wrath that we deserved has already been put on Jesus. So the wrath that's going to be poured out is going to be poured out only on those who refused to bow the knee, to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, to accept the fact that he's the one who took all of our punishment
1: those that refuse and further on uh in the in the prophecies you find out that satan will be thrown down and he will be locked in here so god's wrath comes against all the evil that's on this planet another text will tell you what is restraining god's wrath even now
0: all right so that that breaks open a whole nother can of worms now sorry No, we got to address this because there's a concept in the church. We all really want to believe it, but I don't see how it fits in here. Well, God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Okay, but on that day, when the tribulation breaks out, when the wrath of God breaks out, there's not going to be a distinction between the sinner and the sin. Yes or no? Yes not gonna be, God's not gonna go, okay, uh, you person, uh, move over here so I can pour my wrath on your sin. No, the wrath is gonna get poured out on the person. That's why when we know people that are living in sinful lifestyles, it's not a matter of putting, looking down on our nose. If we love people, we will tell them the truth so that they can separate themselves from the sin. So that when the punishment comes, it's not going to come on them. It will not come on them personally because now they're hidden in Christ. Are you getting this? I was having a conversation this afternoon about how sometimes we may be guilty. Christians may be guilty of giving people false peace. Making them think it's, well, you know, God knows your heart. You know, you got a hard time. You know, you can't stop sinning, but God knows your heart. I, I think we need to separate ourselves from sin as much as we possibly can. God has called us to holiness. God has called us to be separate. God has called us to be sanctified. God has called us not to be friends with the world. In fact, James says, if you're a friend of the world, you become an enemy with God. Absolutely. Let's be careful about this concept. Well, you know, God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. God loves the sinner, yes? yes. And he'll love him all the way to the gates of hell. Yeah. Doesn't stop loving them. But when a person decides to stay connected to sin, then they're going to endure whatever punishment's going to come against that. Let's be clear about it. Okay, on that day, how's God going to go to the people who left on the earth that rejected Christ, that said, let the rocks fall on us so we don't have to see his face. How is there going to be a separation? I'm, I'm saying, how's it going? you can't, you can't be a separation. A person who, who continues and refuses to accept Christ and continues to live in a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God is at some point in time, either in eternity going to hell or here on this earth, going to suffer the wrath of God. And this is the thing we don't like to cover because it doesn't sound nice, but it's truth. There is a wrath that's going to come against this planet. And it's, it's horrible to think that there's some people that we may know, even if it's in a generation in the future that we're not here for, that because they're going to continue to reject Christ and because they're going to continue to want to live in sin, they're going to fall under that horrible punishment. And the tribulation has got to be, the wrath of God poured out at that time, has got to be at least as bad as what Jesus suffered on the cross, or, or it's a complete mockery of Jesus' death.
1: We got one question? One
2: question. Um, Trying to understand, if there, there's a person that, I'm going to use an example, a homosexual, believes in Jesus Christ, believes he's the son of God, but they're living a life of sin. OK. Where does that?
0: Uh, I'll, I can jump right in here. Because people have asked that question many times. Here's the key. Is the person struggling to be free? Or is the person throwing themselves into the lifestyle 100% insisting that God has to accept them that way? I know we don't want to hear this, but that's the key. Is the person struggling? Just like a person could struggle with alcohol and maybe never get free, but in their heart, they've given their life to Christ. Their spirit has been perfect by, by by being born again and receiving salvation, but they may go to the grave because they couldn't break free from that addiction. But it's in their mind. They believe they've been created that way. They've chosen. Look, the mind, that's, that's spiritual warfare. When you try to exalt your mind, your thoughts, against and above the knowledge of God. mind as well. Yeah. Right. right, we're living in a society right now that's been given over to ungodliness. Romans chapter one does not just apply to an individual where God gives them over to ungodly, an uncleanliness and lust. It's a whole society that can go that way. And that's what's happened. That's why you have such craziness in our society. That's why you have such lunacy. That's why you look online or you listen to the news and you go, do they actually hear what they're saying? They sound like complete idiots. Who do they think is really going to believe? But they believe it. Why? Because they've been, the society has been given over to sin. That's why we're in such a dangerous position in our nation right now. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with ungodliness. I mean, I knew that question was going to come up sooner or later. I didn't know if it was going to happen this week. But do you understand what we're saying? A, any person that's struggling with anything, if they're struggling, that is the difference. If in their heart they really want to get free, they just can't see how, they're just constantly stumbling, constantly falling back, getting up, repenting, trying not, uh, just asking God for help, back and forth, back and forth, and a person may spend their whole life that way, but their spirit is born again. Amen. Now, that's a big difference with a person that says, Yeah, I love God. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. However, this is the way I believe. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, any other questions? You got a question back there?
2: Yeah, um, I'm just following up from the woman. Can I see your
0: hand so I know where to look? Oh, okay. I'm
2: just following up from the question that was just asked. Uh, Let's
0: not throw gasoline on the fire, okay? I I, I don't Uh, want to. All right, go ahead.
2: But um, it's grief in my spirit because I know someone who says that they're born again, and the homosexuality part, they were God made them like that. They were born like that. So I just wanna understand.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Is it true that God made them that way? No, it's okay, not. Okay, so what, are we but gonna he, try to establish something that's we, not true? The person's believing a lie.
2: Exactly, and I don't, I'm told that I'm being too righteous and I, right, I'm well, here to save souls and for the kingdom of heaven. But
0: it's not only a person who's involved in homosexuality. No, it's it's not any, form any, form of, exactly. any form of sin, any form of sin, any form of rebellion against God, any form of that. So and someone
2: who says that they're born again, they believe in God, but remain in the lifestyle of whatever sin that they're in, will they be raptured? I don't see how. Right. Okay, all right. So this is just something. Because right. they're
0: elevating something above the truth of God.
2: Okay, that's what I agree now, with Now a person too. could,
0: let's be honest with each other, and this is it. I don't want to go any further with this because we're getting off topic here. Okay, a person could be deceived about anything. Just because it's real to them, God doesn't say, oh, wait a minute, this is very real to that person. Let me change what I said about that situation. A person could be deceived that they're born again and really be entertaining a religious spirit, which is a whole nother issue, okay? Um, And especially you'll see an individual that's not sure about that kind of stuff will always wanna do over and above good good works, good works, good works, good works, good works, good works, because on the inside they know they're not there yet. Does that make sense? That honestly, if I had to define and describe what a religious spirit is, a religious spirit is a person who elevates doing good deeds and good works and being a nice person and being loving and all that stuff over and above, bowing their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody will say, but they're such a nice person. Yeah, of course, yeah. Nobody's saying they're not nice people. I've seen alcoholics that are really wonderful people, nice people, will give you the shirt off their back, okay? But they won't bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Any person that doesn't bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ is not saved. And that's the word of God. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Somebody else have a question back there? Yes. Uh, good evening, everyone. I had a question that uh, I just wanted to say. I mean, everyone is born a sinner the first time, so you know, like you kind of can't avoid what you're born with in regards to you being born a sinner, and then eventually, you know, the story of right. The, so just the get born again. comes, to, you know, into your life and whatnot. Yeah, so that, just, was, that was my whole thing. Like, thank it's you. It's arbitrary, if you ask me. It's like black and white, you know. Right, right. No matter what the sin manifests, it's still you're all born sinners. Thank you, for, thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate it. So what's the answer? Well, if you weren't born right the first time, get born the second time. Amen. Thank God we have that option. Don't like the way you were born? Get born again. You think God made a mistake? Get born again. Thank God we have the option. Amen. All right, can we get back to the Harpazo? Harpazo.
1: <laughs> you, you got something to I go?
2: Have a real quick question. I don't know if this read is
1: the
0: right the it me, on this?
2: Well, it's about being born again, yes. Okay. Okay, real quick. You're born again. You get your salvation. You still continue to praise the Lord, you still you believe it all, you're doing it all, but you're still caught up in the lifestyle and the sin for an additional like four years. Okay, you come back around. What, four was, years? Yeah, um, That was the, the time. If you're water baptized in that time, before you came back to your senses, do you need to be water baptized again?
0: And you just threw a whole salad together. <laughs> you got tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce, red onions. You even threw the feta cheese in. How about if we talk about it after? All right. <laughs>
1: these are theological conundrums. <laughs> uh, let's jump right back in, all right? Good? i uh, going to walk you through some scriptures now that, are, that is going to uh, describe who we are, who the Father is, and, and the wrath. The first one I come to is 1 Corinthians ten sixteen. 16. Uh, Paul, writing to the church that meets in Corinth, and, and you can just take down the citations and look these up later, Uh, He writes this to the Corinthian church. Is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing of the blood of Christ? Are you getting it? Mm -hmm. Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Who's he talking to? The church. In this case, the church that meets in Corinth. Who's he writing to? He's writing to the church. We are in him. We are in Christ. Therefore, we're not appointed to wrath. Next, take down the citation. Revelations 15:7, And one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of, what? The wrath of God who lives forever and ever. First Thessalonians, if you remember, uh, 1, 9, uh, and 10 says this. And how you, Thessalonian church, turned to God from idols, to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to move rapidly now, so just take the citations. Romans 5, 9 tells us this. I mean, it's over and over and over, church. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Say, I'm I'm justified. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. Who's him? Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus. Revelations 3.10. Out of an hour of wrath, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. Another one, 1 Peter 4.5 we have been given, we, we have to give an account. Quoting the scripture, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10, did we do what God told us to do? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to that which he has done whether good or bad why the scripture tells us that he is the rewarder of those who seek him just a little aside reward is usually an adjective in that instance it's a noun that's a name for god god is the rewarder of those who seek him 2 Corinthians 11:12 tells us this for i am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Revelations 19, 6, 7, and 8 says this, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of a mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen are the righteous acts of the saints. Jesus has declared himself the bridegroom, and we answer the question, where are we?
0: Ephesians five twenty five to take, 20. Let's take questions before we finish it. Any questions up until this point? Okay, understand that this, this last scripture that Pastor Jerry read in Revelation 19, the church is in heaven when that happens. Okay, because you'll hear people say, well, Jesus isn't coming back because the church hasn't cleaned its act up yet and is not yet the bride of Christ. The church does not become the bride of Christ on the earth. The church becomes the bride of Christ during that seven years that we're in heaven at the marriage feast of the Lamb, okay? That's when he cleans us up, 100%. You getting this? Any questions? Okay.
1: Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. We've known, I'm sure you recognize the verse. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, and that he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy, that means set apart, and without any blemish. Revelations 19, and I'll finish here. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, the white horse, and he who sat. Oh, man, this upsets me so much. This is, this is so cool. <laughs> I get crazy because I see him coming. Amen. Behold, the white horse. And he who sat on it is him who was called faithful and true. Hallelujah. And his righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a white robe that was dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, say, that's me. me. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth came a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh king of kings and lord of lords amen
0: praise god praise god that's how it that's how it ends up (laughs)
1: god cannot put his wrath on the church the wrath jesus took on himself and god stated it in writing He cannot change the word of God. Listen to me. If God changes one word.
0: I was just going to say that.
1: Then Satan doesn't have to go to hell.
0: This entire book is a covenant. It does not contain covenants. It is a covenant. It's a covenant that just unfolds from from the covenant he made with Adam. To the covenant he made with Noah. To the covenant he made with Abraham. It's one unfolding covenant. Complete from, from the beginning to end. Whatever he said in this book that he's going to come to pass, he has bound himself by covenant that it must come to pass. And he said, I've sworn by myself, because there's no greater, there is going to be a rapture. It is going to take place. Jesus will return to this earth. What he did, if he, if he said he was gonna go and pay for our sins, and he did, and then he said he's coming back, if he paid for our sins, and he did, he's gonna come back. If he said he's gonna raise from the dead, and he did, and he said he's coming back, he's coming back. Now listen, there are some of you here that may not have been here over these past three weeks. Let's review a little bit, because one of the common questions that get asked, and I don't know maybe if somebody's holding on to that tonight, how do we know that we're in the time frame okay how do we know that we're in the time frame well even the ancient rabbis even ancient uh i don't know what word to use Mm -hmm. the ancient rabbis in judaism the rabbinical scholars scholars of ancient times when i talk about ancient times i'm talking about anything before jesus rose from the dead because Judaism changed drastically after Jesus rose from the dead, drastically, okay? So, the ancient rabbis believed that the Messiah would appear on the earth. The ancient rabbis believed that the Messiah would need to redeem the nation of Israel. The ancient messiahs believed in the time frame that we showed tonight on that graph there. Say, well, how does that play into us? Okay, well, The Old Testament has shown that the nation of Israel, although they're God's people, would fail, would fall into sin. They would have to be driven out of the land. And it happened how many times? At least two times. When the Babylonians came, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, deported the people, they were driven out of the land. Within 70 years, they came back. Amen? Amen. It happened again when the Romans came, conquered Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, 70 AD, okay? And the Jewish nation was dispersed all over the earth. But God, on two different occasions, God speaks on many different occasions of two times when he would call his people out of Egypt, and then eventually he says, after that, I will call them from the land of the north. Okay, that's significant because the land of the north, if you're in, again, this Bible is Jerusalem centric. If you're in Jerusalem and it's talking about what's north of you, you go further north and you come to Russia, you come to Europe, you come to those areas. And we know for a fact that God regathered his people from Europe and from Russia. Okay? We know the story of the Holocaust. Okay? If it wasn't for the Holocaust, the world would not have been sympathetic to allow the Jews to go to Israel to establish it as a nation, okay? Isaiah speaks of this, shall a nation be born in a day? Yeah, May the 14th, 1948, a nation was born in a day. A language that had ceased to exist was brought back and now is the common language of the nation of Israel and most Jewish people, no matter where they are on the earth, okay? All these things, Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trampled down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles would be fulfilled. So again, just to review this, so we're fresh about this. 1948 started everything. That signaled the last days. That signaled the time when we're coming close. 1967, Jerusalem then fulfilled the other part of prophecy that Jesus spoke of. I believe it's in Luke chapter 24, when he talks about Jerusalem being trampled by the Gentiles. Jerusalem was split up even after 1948. The Jews did not have the entire city of Jerusalem. They had part of it. Most of the holy sites were being held by the nation of Jordan, which is a non-Jewish nation. So there again Jerusalem was being held by Gentiles. 1967 war breaks out in June of 1967 and the Israeli troops as soon as they had the opportunity rushed into the other side of the city. And grabbed hold of the Temple Mount and the Jewish uh, the areas, the, Jewish holy sites. the holy sites. Okay? They made a mistake. One general made a mistake. One general stopped them. There was a gentleman that wanted to take the Temple Mount. Said, let's do it now while we're at war. Let's take the Temple Mount. You understand what I mean, with Temple Mount? The area you see the pictures of Jerusalem, that big golden dome. <coughs> That's not the Jewish temple. That's an Muslim mosque. It's not even a mosque. It's really just a shrine. But it sits atop where tradition tells us that the original temple that Solomon built was there, then the temple that was rebuilt after the Babylonians uh, destroyed the first one. That's the site where the temple has to be built again so that when Messiah comes again, he's going to walk onto that temple mount and take care of business okay so all this has happened now there are more developments that are happening even now as we're sitting here okay pastor rick and i were having a conversation just before the service started we've been watching these things okay this this developments that's happening in the middle east you're probably not even paying attention to because as far as I can remember, back as being a young kid, you, can't, you couldn't put the TV on without seeing some mention of the Middle East or Egypt or Israel or Syria or Jordan. This has been on the front page at least for the past 70 years. In fact, Israel celebrated the 75th anniversary, I think, today. A week-long celebration. A week-long celebration of 75 years of being declared a nation, okay? But things have changed in the Middle East drastically. Ezekiel chapter 38 tells us what's gonna happen in these days before Messiah returns, okay? It literally talks about all the nations that are involved right now forming alliances against Israel, forming alliances against those that are favored towards Israel, okay? The United States is fading off the scene. Let's be honest with each other. It's part of God's plan. I don't know if I can prove this, but I think it's intentional that God fades us off the scene. Because we're not in. We're not in. We're not. We're not really. Well, we're kind of mentioned, but we're not. It's it's. It's insinuated, okay? Like um, Ezekiel thirty-eight. If you go and study it, it talks about. Um, let me see where it is. Where are you headed?
1: The, the list of nations.
0: Um, I was talking about where it talks about Britain and... All right, Ezekiel 38. You want to hang around for a few minutes? We'll just go through this real quick. We'll, we'll cover this more in the future, I guess, someday. All right, now the word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog and the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. This is all nations, all ethnic groups that lived north of Israel in what we call today modern-day Russia, Turkey.
1: Go ahead, jump in. Rosh is uh, present-day Russia. Magog is ancient. The Magites were a bloodthirsty tribe that had settled north of the Baltic Sea. Uh, Josephus tells us that. Uh, Meshek, maybe Moscow, but certainly North Turkey. Um, You can go on and on.
0: Yeah, so yeah. (laughs) Um, Thus says the Lord, verse three, uh, thus says the Lord, behold them against you, O God, Prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. They Mm -hmm. are the areas, these these nations north of Israel. Um, I think the Ukraine is part of it. Mm -hmm. Certainly Russia, definitely Turkey, Armenia, those areas there. Okay, the Bible refers to them as their ancient names. Now they became nations and some of the areas are split up and they took on different names, but there's still, it's still who God's talking about because he's speaking to geographic areas, okay? Persia, well, wh- what's modern day Persia? Iran, that just is now entering into agreements with Russia to arm Russia. Russia has troops on the border of Israel in Syria because nobody talks about it because everybody wants to talk about balloons that are floating across the United States and everybody wants to talk about scandals and everything else. And so the American people, for the most part, we sit there with our mouth open because we're distracted, not given the information we need so that we would understand where the heck we're at here on the, in the Bible. Okay? Uh, Persia, Ethiopia, which, is, which could be Sudan, which now is now in civil war. Okay? Libya, North Africa.
1: Put put is Libya, possibly Algeria and Tunisia.
0: Right, Gomer and all its troops. Again, Togomar, that's definitely Turkey. That's Turkey. Uh, Now, understand with Turkey, um, 100 years ago, Turkey was an empire. The Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire pretty much controlled all of Greece, all of, all of that whole Balkan area, Turkey, all of the Middle East, Egypt, all of North Africa. And so little by little, they got decimated. But Turkey is gonna resurrect. Turkey wants to once again establish the Ottoman Empire. That's why Turkey, the leader of Turkey, is maneuvering himself to become the leader and the head of all the Muslim nations. Okay, but they're Turkish. Middle East, North Africa are Arabic. Iranians are Persians. They have nothing in common except for their hatred of Israel. Their religions are different. Iranians are Shiites, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Arab world are Sunni. It's like Protestants and Catholics, okay? They have very different views. They'll kill each other in a second unless they have an enemy that they can unite together to go after.
1: Not to imply that Protestants and Catholics want to kill each other.
0: Well, there was a time when they did kill each other in (laughs) Europe. I mean, if you went to Ireland 30 years ago... You know, so, because that's that same spirit of religion. The spirit of religion doesn't point to Christ. The spirit of religion causes causes division and violence and everything else. So, to not go into this whole thing tonight because it's already almost 10 after eight. Understand this, that even the nations are in position now. And without trying to cause any fear or anything else, most likely before the end of this year, there will be a major war that breaks out. And it'll involve Iran. It'll involve Israel. It'll involve Russia. China is smart. They stay in the background and they sell everybody everything. (laughs) But all of these nations now are poised to attack Israel, to attack Jerusalem. That is the Ezekiel 38 war that's talked about. Now, there's some... Difference of opinions. You believe that we're gonna be here. You've said you believe we're gonna that the church may see the Ezekiel 38 war. Um, I hope not. I hope not. So Pastor, what are you saying that we're gonna get raptured this year? Who knows? I don't know, but listen to me. But listen to me. When it happens, it will be in the fall. I don't know what year, but when it happens, it will be in the fall. Because there are the fall feasts that have not been fulfilled yet. And they speak of, symbolically, the rapture and the second coming and the establishment of the kingdom of God. Jesus fulfilled the first three feasts. The spring feast, the harvest feasts, Passover, uh, first fruits, Uh, the barley harvest, all those things took place on Easter weekend. Okay, the one holiday after the other, and Pentecost fulfilled that. So the feasts have got to be fulfilled. The last three take place, depending on the Jewish calendar, could be in September, could be in October. Now don't go out here saying, Pastor Joe said Jesus has come back in September. (laughs) I said, when the rapture and the second coming take place, they will be in the fall. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of that. So, we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love date. We need to pray for peace there. We need more time. The church needs more time to reach the lost. Okay? Um, God will come to the rescue of Israel. Israel will not get pushed into the sea, no matter what anybody says. Israel will not cease to exist. If that happened, then God... Broke his covenant with Abraham. Remember this, okay? There's no expiration dates on covenants. God promised Abraham that his descendants would have specific pieces of property in the Middle East, and they have not yet ever reached that goal. They've never had those boundaries boundaries yet. So God has got to fulfill that promise to Abraham, and it's it's way bigger than just Israel. Way bigger than just Israel. Understand that the devil hates God's people, whether they're the Jews or whether they're Christians. God hates, excuse me, the devil hates those people. The devil hates Jerusalem. The devil hates the nation of Israel. He hates them because he knows if he can eliminate them, then there's nothing for the Messiah to come back to. How ridiculous. But he keeps trying. Keeps trying. Keeps trying tried to wipe them out in Esther's day, tried to wipe them out in the Romans' day, tried to wipe them out in the Middle Ages, tried to wipe them out in the Holocaust, can't wipe them out. Amen? Amen. Any questions before we go? I know we threw a lot at you tonight. I just had one little comment. Um, I think We learned it in Bible school with uh, You gotta speak up, Dennis. Yeah, that, um, that we currently, utilize the Gregorian calendar, but an ancient calendar. I think it was said that Jesus' actual birthday, instead of December 25th, is actually 9/11. Is that correct? I've heard I've heard th- theories of every day of the year. Every couple of years, somebody comes up with another. We don't know. We know he was born on a day, whatever day it was. Yeah, we don't know. Anybody else? Are you kidding? No. Nope. Brian, behind Brian you. right behind you.
2: Oh. Just a quick question. Um, not that I follow these people, but there's commentators that come on. You see them through Facebook. There's one gentleman, Dan Bongino. I don't know if anybody's heard of him.
0: Yeah.
2: He's talking about people that were going into a time where we're going to, you know, we should be storing up, you know... Hold on
0: a second. Hold on. Is he a Christian?
2: He says he is. You
0: know. Is he? I don't really know who he is.
2: He's conservative. But he's, he's what? He's, Captive?
0: But. Catholic. Catholic? Yeah. All right. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else?
1: Could I just address that real quick?
0: Store for what? We're the, not going to be here.
1: The scripture...
0: Yeah. Did it follow with a commercial to sell the food in the pails? If I, because usually that's what happens. Anybody else? You want to say something before we go?
1: The scripture warns us against this. Don't be fooled. There will be people who come in the name of Jesus, and they will say He is in the desert or he is coming tomorrow. Don't look down.
0: Look up. Look up. And listen, don't get caught up. The church should not be wasting time looking for the Antichrist. The church should be spending time looking for the Messiah. Anybody else have a question? I thought I saw a hand. No? Are you kidding? We're good. Did you have your hand up? Yeah. Okay. All right, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up.